today on The Breakdown. It's an old-fashioned shootout at the OK Corral. Poker-wise, <laughs> poker style, yeah, with cards and chips and things like that. Because it's a live at the bike hand, it's a cash game hand, it's a big cash game hand. They're playing 10, 25, 50, and semi-regular on that show, and also make a semi-regular guy who makes appearances on this show, Nick, is in this hand. He's under the gun with a pretty good hand, and he's up against what turns out to be an absolute insane person, an absolute maniac. You don't hear very often of someone three-betting 10-5 suited against the undergun player in these big cash games, but it's happening, people. It's happening right here, right now. How do you play against a guy like this, and what do you do if you're not even sure if it is a crazy person? Well, we're going to get into all of it right now on The Breakdown at the OK Corral with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. You might be at the OK Corral. I'm not, I'm not at the OK Corral. Where are you? I'm in my mind space, in my head space, <laughs> drinking toothpaste. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> Don't stop now, bro. I got a cool face. Yeah. I <laughs> don't make no waste. I take I haste. <laughs> <laughs> you went farther than I thought you ever would. I think it was probably a Grammy Award winner right there. You have a career as a DJ for sure. Anybody has a career as a DJ. It's called <laughs> having douchey hair and pressing play. That's what it's called. Wow. Oh, I didn't realize this was a hot take Tuesday. Except for DJ Elixir, who's clearly a very good DJ I who get... does things that are unique and I can't do them. That's right. By the way, hot take Monday, I guess. Um, you can't do them? Well, I don't know what they are because I don't actually believe the words I just said. Oh, damn. You don't. Like what? Somebody who understands. <laughs> Here we go. Somebody who understands, please explain to me what a DJ actually does. I that's, mean, they. That's they different turn... than me at a party at my house with an iPod. What's different? Um, I think they don't use voice commands to turn on their music. <laughs> that's the main difference. If you're, like spinning, if you're like spinning the records, that's different because you're adding to the music. Is I that, mean, does barely. that count as a DJ? I think it does, but I mean, you're barely adding. But, to the but music. you could you could argue that there's some some musicality there. Whereas if you're just playing songs and then like holding a headphone up to your head and bouncing around, are you doing anything? Here's here's my problem, and it, it falls right in line with what you're talking about. So I remember there was some commercial where they're talking about like an NFL fantasy thing, and they're like all the incredible things you're driving this limo with, like Deion Sanders, and like and Reggie Watts is killing it, you know, and they show Reggie Watts like DJing. And I'm like, how is Reggie Watts killing it? Yeah. Like, all he's doing is picking songs. That's not killing it. He's not playing. I mean, he does do music also, but like he's not playing. Maybe he doesn't. He's not playing the music. You know, he didn't invent the music and write it. Why is he getting any credit for killing it? You know, I can choose a good song. I like Van Morrison. All right. I, we've been on this tangent for long enough. Yeah. But I'm going to keep going. Oh, okay. I didn't. I thought so we were done. Are but you let's aware go. of the terrible Zac Efron movie about being a DJ no, in LA? I am it's not. from like 2016 or 2014 or one What's of those. What's it called? I think it's called We Are Your Friends. Oh, that's th- not a good title. I think that's what it's called. I'm looking it up. But Continue. I, I saw a scene from that movie where it tries to like scientifically explain the power of the DJ where he's like, yeah, you got to get the, the crowd in the right uh, mode with the beats per second, and then if you hit them right in the right spot at the right time, their heartbeats will react in such a way that creates euphoria, and that's really? like the science of being a DJ. That's yeah. rough. That sounds... Yeah. Uh, we Are Your Friends. That is the name of it. He played Cole. Yep. And uh, 
Yeah, it was. I don't think it was well received. Uh, it got a forty-six meta score. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, that's dumb. And that's what movies do, though. Movies often, you know, like um, play up someone's skill set, a particular uh, occupation skill set, to make them seem more important than they are right. because they're telling a story about that occupation. And you know, every time a movie is about any occupation, the people who really do that job are like, well, it's never, it's not like that at all. Yeah, you know, that's completely untrue. And like, we know that whenever we see poker in movies, right? Um, or I know that as like a former autism consultant and expert, like almost always when I see anyone with special needs in a movie, I'm like, well, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Once in a while, well, they're getting better at that actually. But right. a lot of the time it is way off. I still remember the Kiefer Sutherland Fox TV show Touch where like his son is like an autistic kid and he solves murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like offensive, honestly, you know, yeah, like, and, come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, you could see it with poker. And, and, but, and I also want to be clear about one more thing to not offend the actual musicians out there. Yeah. Because... I'm talking about DJs who like just go and play a playlist of songs that have already been made. If you like make your own electronic music and then play that. Oh, that's different. That's, you're not really doing anything when you're at the club, no, but, but you're, you're like the representing music. the music. That's fine. That's I'm different. Totally down with that. That's yeah. completely different than playing someone else's stuff and taking credit. You can be a DJ, but taking credit is if you're this like creative force. If you're just playing other people's stuff feels right. feels fraudulent. If you're making me. your own electronic music, good for you. Maybe, maybe you know, history's not going to look on this back on this conversation that's, with, that's with, possible. with a warm we heart. Might get, there might be like this huge subculture that I'm just <laughs> destroying right now. And they're <laughs> no. like, fuck you. We're going to like lose like half our listeners. Yeah. Like, those guys hate DJs. Fuck them. No. You know, but whatever. We got to live our lives, man. You got to live out loud. That's probably another name of a DJ movie. <laughs> <laughs> live out loud. Yes. It's kind of perfect. But anyway, we've done our six minutes of messing around. Let's get to the hand. It's only five minutes and 40 seconds. Mm. And uh, so this hand was suggested by a person who I don't think is a DJ, but I can't know for sure. Jay Wrecker. I mean, he's always spinning the hits on his own podcast, Rant While Driving to Work. Wow. Nice shout out. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, not sure if that's active or not, but you know, it, at one point, at one time it was. He's made at least many episodes. That's what I know for sure. I haven't. I don't know if it's still complete. I'm not completely up to date on it or many podcasts really anymore. My podcast listening is down to just a few selected things, including our show. Of course, you have to. In every show else, we're on, we, we need to get our into the double digit <laughs> listens on each show. So, like, we ten. might get eight or nine if we don't listen. Yeah, ten is the magic number for nitrogen to still be the spot. So <laughs> yeah. You just have to hit ten. Yeah. Sometimes I can do that all by myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just yeah. keep listening. 10 hours. No problem. All right. So this is a 10, 25, 50 cash game. So there are three blinds, which is pretty common these days in, in these cash games. It's true. And uh, I like got, it. I like the third blind. Yeah. I'm sure it creates more action. Do you think if there's um, a male in the, uh, as the third blind that sometimes people would call him the third guy blind? <laughs> yes. Yes, it happened. Grant is upset about it. I can tell you, I can see his face. It was just such a stretch. (laughs) He's so upset about that. (laughs) That's why I do it. I don't do it for the humor. I mean, I do it for the humor, but I really do it for the the aftermath. (laughs) You live your life to get under my skin. That's it's if there's very few things that are as satisfying as you a little bit annoyed. (laughs) So we did it. Third guy blind. Does that mean that I'm like the the right amount of difficulty to to get annoyed? Like, because uh, I feel like if it was Batiste, it would be too easy to annoy him, and it would, there wouldn't be any sport. I head. I annoy Batiste without trying to. Every time I'm around right. that guy, right? So I'm saying there's like no sport <laughs> yeah, in it, no. so it loses some value. It's a different kind of sport with Batiste. It's like how upset is he going to get <laughs> over this incredibly tiny thing? That For those happened. who don't know, Batiste is a uh, former regular on Poker Time, yeah. and a uh, friend of the podcast. Yes, and uh, very emotional. Yeah. In a, very, in a way that often manifests as pretty funny. Very intensely competitive and very emotional. Yeah. So like 
you know, if you're playing one dollar or ten cents a point Chinese poker and he's down six dollars, there's gonna be some. I mean, there's he's, gonna be a he's, go, he's going to bed angry. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not. Sadly, that's not a joke. But I mean, it is. It's funny, but it's not a joke. Anyway, now that now that we've killed him enough, let's yeah, yeah. Fuck you, but these. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> just kidding. You're a good guy. So, Nick Fertucci. Yes. Live at the bike regular, who we've spoken about many times on this show when he's played on Live at the Bike. I think he's, you know, really sort of, because he plays in these big games, has sort of got himself to be a better player over the years, too. Like, I think we've seen him, like, tighten up, be a better thinker about the game. He's not not a great player. He's not not a a pro. pro. Yeah. But he is... At least, like, I don't think he's giving money away necessarily too much anymore. He used to give it away. I don't think he is anymore. I think he's, like, not a a super soft spot in the game. I agree. I agree. So Nick is under the gun in this three-blind game. He's got 30K in front of him, and he's going to open to 300, which in 1025.50 is pretty big considering the sizing we've been seeing recently in cash games where where people tend to be opening, like, tournament sizing in cash games. I would think think 200 would be, like, the max you'd ever need to open here, and maybe you could even open, like, 175. Um. But I think 200 is pretty reasonable. But yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he opens to 300. I agree, especially under the gun. Yeah, and he's got a ace queen of diamonds. Yep. So that's a nice hand. Yep. He's got so 30K back also. It folds to a player on the button whose name is In. We have not had him before on the podcast. I haven't seen any clips of him before. It seems really clear that Nick has never played with him before. It does seem based that on way. The hand. Yeah. And this guy, In. So. This is going to get interesting because we're doing the solver stuff now, so we're going to have to talk about that in a second. But yeah. he has ten five of hearts on the button. Seems like a fold when under the gun opens to 6x. Yes, I'll agree with that. Instead, he decides to 3-bet to 1,300. So I want to take a quick aside and talk about the solver stuff because okay. I know... Many of you are familiar with solvers, but uh, I would say the majority of you likely have never built a range for a solver before or gone through the process of a hand on a solver. I think you're right. And the most fundamental important part is to assign ranges to the players, which are, when we're doing it, clearly subjective because it's not us. We don't know what the range is truly. Right. Right. We have to make some shit up. So when, when we have Nick under the gun opening, we can, you know, make pretty good guesses as to what his range is. It's pretty easy to figure that out, right? right. Like, assuming he's not just a spewy guy who's just going to open like 10-9 off under the gun. You know, if he's going to have a reasonable range, we can figure that out at least like to 95% accuracy probably. Yeah, and of course, you now he's going to be, now there's a three bet, and so if like, based on whatever Nick does next, I'm just going to spoil this, he's going to call the three yeah. bet. Not a surprise with Ace, Queen, so, of Diamonds. So the range that we put in for Nick is what he opens under the gun and then subsequently calls a three bet with. Right, which isn't too difficult. Now, we may be slightly off, but we're not going to be wildly off. And for that. a little bit more or inside baseball, you can give weight to each type of hand. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you don't have to say he's going to call 100% with ace queen. You can say he's going to call 80% with ace queen because you expect he's going to three bet the other 20% of the or, time. Yeah. Right? Because the solver starts after the flop. So, those ace queens that he, that he four bet, excuse me, yeah. would no longer be in his range, meaning he's only got 80% of them, right? Of those combos, yeah. right? Even yeah. though he's going to be in the hand either way, it's the hand that he plays exactly this way pre flop. Right. It's, it, yeah, the solver's cool because every decision, it's like, okay, only the combos that took this route to get to this point are still even alive. Right. And so it's an eliminating stuff left and right as it goes. So it's, it gets weird. Right. So, with all this in mind, how do you construct a range for a guy that yeah. you've never seen play before? And all you know is he just three bet the under the gun guy with 10 five of hearts. Yeah, so we decided to give him a very wide range, um, at least in terms of we put him all over the map. Like we gave him literally every suited hand, at least as a possibility of three betting. Right, and that's why the weight is important. So what we decided initially was the only way to do this properly 
is to give in literally every bad suited hand in the deck and give them all at the same percentage because we don't think 10 five has any special significance it's hard to give it it's like you can't even make a straight with it it's hard to think like oh i'm gonna raise that one more than i'm gonna raise like four three suited or four two suited or right. something like that yeah yeah so we uh we decided, like, okay, let's say he's doing it 7% of the time that With, he has a bad-suited hand. Yeah. So we gave him 7% of every bad-suited hand in the deck. Yeah. And that's how we began the construction of his range. The rest of it was a little bit less weird, but still a little bit out there because we know so he's the guy who 3-bet 10-5 suited. But basically, he has at least a little bit of most hands that are available uh, in our range. Of course, the weights are very different. Like, aces and kings are going to have a much heavier weight than 10-5 suited. Of course. In his three-betting three, three range. So basically, moving forward, that's the range we gave him. That's what the solver is working with, and that's the best we could do. Yeah, so it's weird. Yeah. The solver, even you know, at, on every street here, it's like, okay, well, here's what I think you should do with every single suited hand individually. You know, every combo, here's what I think you should do. And it's like, it took the solver a long time to figure this out. I'll say that. Yeah. Because I had to do a lot more work than normal. It did. It did. It's cool. As a quick aside, something we've been kicking around, and I would be curious if the audience has a big reaction, we'll, we'll do it a little quicker. Would you guys be interested in us making a solver video where we kind of show the process of mm. us constructing a hand and, and going through the hand? It, if you're interested, please tweet at us and let us know, and we might, we might get around to it. We you could know? do that. At the same point, those things exist on YouTube already. They do, too, but so. we could do it in a more fun way yeah, that that's people true. will enjoy. That's true. Yeah. For sure. We're the poker guys, man. We're, yeah, 2PG. All right, much. anyway, so that is how we constructed the range. Yeah. We did the best we could with the information we have. So he three bets to 1,300. 10-5 of hearts. 10-5 of hearts. Nick, under the gun, ace-queen of diamonds. It feels like a pretty clear, like, you're just supposed to call almost all the time. I think kind of always. Like, you call. can't fold, and four betting feels like the sand is just, like, kind of in the middle. You know, it's just a weird I thing. mean, you don't think you're ever getting ace-king to fold when you four bet, right? Right. You don't think you're ever getting a better hand to fold. You might, if you size it well, I guess you could, maybe you could fold out um, some flips, which would be cool, but whatever. Like, why do we have to play a monster pot right now with this hand when the, with a hand that flops right. really well, heads up? We're going to want to be careful anyway. If we flop top pair, either way, like, we still have to play really carefully, don't we? I mean, like, we're often, we're often in trouble. Yep. So, anyway. One caveat is if Nick has been playing with in a lot, knows in well, and if he were creating the solver, would give in like 30% of all bad suited hands, mm -hmm. then maybe four betting becomes more profitable because there's so many more folds in, in his range and it's just $1,300 out there and you're blocking an ace and a queen. Maybe. At the same point, it may, I don't want to get into a whole discussion with this right now because there's so much more to talk about in this hand. There's a yes, lot there that there happens is, in this hand is. and a lot of decision points, a lot of interesting decision points. Um, I don't even know what's more profitable. It might be more profitable not to four bet the ace queen and call and like... When you do flop a hand, you get so many chips. If In's the kind of guy, if he's going to be playing 30%, you know, he's just going to be you know, putting so many chips in post-flop, you just hold on a lot. Um, I'm not even sure which one's better. Yeah, that's fair. But, so that, but that's another discussion for another day. I want to have that discussion at yeah. some point. But Either way, I, I default towards calling, which is what Nick does. It seems like a super obvious call. It does. It also seems like a super obvious thing to click the link in the description that takes you to our website, thepokerguys.net, because that's where our book is sold. Book, 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 book. Book. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Not John Book from the movie Witness played by Harrison Ford. Um, 
It's not sweet. that. Sweet. It's, uh, it's our book, How Can He Fold? Incredible Poker Hands, Broken Down Decision by Decision, where we take apart 37 different big-time tournament hands. When I say big-time, I mean like there's four people left in the World Series of Poker main event. Or it could be the hand that Greg Rimmer won the main event on. It could be. It could be the first hand of the main event, which we have two of those as yeah. well. Not just the main event, by the way. It's other big-time tournament spots, too. It's some of the best players in the world. It's their thought process. It's not them talking about it, but it's, it's them playing and us sort of dissecting their thought process in a text conversation back and forth. It's fun. It's easy to read. And also there's a lot of strategy in it as well. Yeah. So. You'll learn as you go and you won't even know that you're learning. Yeah. You'll be having fun and learning at the same time. We start with the least complex hands. We end at the most complex hands. It's available in paperback. You can get the link to the Amazon at our website there for the paperback or ebook form, which you just get right there at the website. If you want us to write another book, which you should, because we enjoyed writing this one. And it's good. And it's good. It's gotten uh, a lot of Amazon reviews. And you've read reviews. the book. Please write us an Amazon review, because that really makes a difference as far as Amazon showing the book to people who might not find us through traditional means like our podcast or when we go on other podcasts, right? So yeah. if you like the book, please leave us a five-star review. Write a little something on there. It would mean a lot to us. It's the best thing you can do for the poker guys right now if you're a fan. Absolutely. And we really think you'll enjoy the book too. If you like this podcast, you are going to like the book. Yes, like, absolutely. I feel very comfortable saying that. This book is right up your alley. Absolutely. All right. Right up Nick's alley is the flop that comes out. Yeah. Twenty-seven seventy-five in the pot. Nick's got ace, queen of diamonds. In as the three-better has ten five of hearts. The flop is queen of hearts, three of clubs, five of diamonds. Pretty damn good for the old ace, queen of diamonds. That is a quality flop. We still are losing to a bunch of things. Well, not a bunch of things. We're still losing to a few things. Um, this is one of those spots where it, sometimes it can be really hard to get value. Uh, you know, but I mean, if in is a like a spew master, well, sure, then, then we can get then value. You just check call, check call, check call. No question. But if in has jacks or something like that, it's just hard to get too yeah. much value out of it. So, like two streets is usually the very, very best we can do. Um, usually, right. Um, so notably, in also flops a pair because yes. it is ten five, uh, ten five in his hand, and it's queen five three on the board. Correct. He does also have backdoor a backdoor flush, flush draw. draw. They yeah. both have backdoor flush draws. Yes, they do. This seems pretty obvious, but Nick is going to check. Yes. The solver actually wants him to dunk 13% of the time. Yep. But the solver is unaware of the preflop action. That's the way the solver works. Mm. Uh, you, ju- you just tell it the total pot size heading into the flop. Right. And, the, and, the, and like, then it gives you the, based on the range is what they're supposed to do. Hmm. So I don't know if that affects it or not, but it wants Nick to lead 13% of the time. Either way, it seems really simple to check to me. Yep. And I think it's an interesting question as to whether or not in should bet here. With middle pair. Well, I mean, I think this is, yeah, this is interesting. Okay. So we will fold out a bunch of hands that we'd want to fold out here, right? Right. Like, like King Jack suited or something like that. Ace Jack, King Jack suited. I don't know. What is Nick doing with two sevens? Is he going to call or is he I just going to like... call once? It might have to be a multi street plan. Okay. Well, if we're three betting 10 five suited, we probably should have some multi street plans. Yeah. Like, so. I, I think I like a bet. We also do have the backdoor flush draw, which is sort of like a get-out-of-jail-free card yeah. sometimes. We might hit a 10 or a 5 on the turn. It's going to be very well disguised. Very well disguised. Um, I like a bet here and uh, a lot and following up a lot on the turn as a plan, but probably... I don't know. I guess it depends how the board's going to run out, too, of course. All right. If you're going to bet, how much are you going to bet? How much is in the pot? There's uh, 27.75. Yep. Okay. Um it's a pretty dry board. We shouldn't have to bet that much, especially if we're thinking this is a multi-street plan. Yeah. I think we can bet 1100 something like that. That seems reasonable to me. 
yeah, like a thousand is probably okay. Like we're just gonna why not down bet on this board? Like what's like what's and the problem with the majority of the purpose being equity denial? I think so. Plus a multi street plan to try to get pocket pairs out of there. Let's fold out Ace Jack suited right now. Um, I guess I guess Ace Jack with a backdoor might call. I don't know. It's gonna be out of position. It's unclear. But like we can but we can put some pressure on on some hands that are gonna fold right now. And uh, and yes, we can now fire the turn and fold out all the pocket pairs that are not, you know, over a queen and aren't a set. Maybe not all, but a lot of them. It's going to be really hard for Jax to call twice, I think. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's true. That just means we have to... It's kind of weird because, like, we're denying equity now, but if we get called, we're like, well, I guess we have to bet again, which kind of sucks because if Nick has a queen, he's usually just going to call, and unless really bad cards come for him, he's mostly going to call again. Yes, I agree. A queen. Uh, it's hard to target a queen here. I think, yeah. I think we shouldn't be targeting a queen. I think we should be targeting the other stuff. There shouldn't be that many queens, though. There should be, like, queen-jack suited, king-jack suited, and ace-queen, right? king-queen suited, of course. Yes, of course. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that's not too many things, right? Right. So that's good. It is. Anyway. So yeah, but I, I don't think we should be even trying to get a queen to fold. We should just be trying to get, we should be working on tens and jacks and the stuff that just, we don't want to turn and suddenly be losing in a, when it's now a bloated pot. Yeah, that's fair. Ace, I mean, jacks of the world. If we're, if we're right about Nick's range here, which is just queen, jack, king, queen suited and ace, queen off, then there's only 18 combos of those hands. I mean, it's a win for us to fall that nine ten suited because it's got six outs against us, and we're not going to see it coming. I guess a ten is actually it's not true. That has that's not a good example. Nine eight suited, nine ten suited is a good hand for us to be up against since we're yeah. reverse dominating it. But a um, nine eight suited or something like that, where an eight comes on the turn and now we're losing, and this pot's got three thousand dollars in it. Like we should try and win it. I like a bet. I think I, I think I'm coming around on that and mostly agree. Hmm. Uh, the solver also agrees. It wants in to bet 90% of the time. We actually gave it two sizing options. Yeah. Uh, one that was smaller than what he chose. He chose to bet 1,700, which is, uh, and we also gave him the option to bet a small amount, like About 30, a like 30% of the pot. Yeah. Uh, it preferred the bigger bet, which he did. Yeah. It liked it 70% of the time. However, the solver believes that betting and checking are very similar as far as expected value, as like how many chips it's worth when yeah. you do it. So. You could also check, and it would be fine if you were if it was in. Like, yep. and I, that's how I feel, and that's how the solver feels. Yep, right. But it's still ultimately for balance and things like that. Thinks he should be betting ultimately more, much more like betting ninety percent of the time. I mean, so. yeah. And the solver doesn't know that there was a three bet pre flop, but just on a on a flop like this, if you're a three better, you should probably be betting this flop. This is your flop. Yeah. You, know, you have aces. You have kings. You have queen queen. You have ace queen in your range. Yep. It's it's a good flop for you to bet. Agreed. It's, it's a dry board. We're going to win a lot just yeah. by betting, and that's fine. Of even course, we have a pair. Of course, this isn't going to work out for in not not yet at least. No, how could it? Right. So, <laughs> I guess you could argue that Nick could raise, but that seems weird to me. I feel like I would almost never raise here. It, I would almost always call. I'm going to say that it wouldn't really occur to me to raise here, even like except against the spewiest of spew master station type guys who because i'd be really worried about continuing they have to ranges. be both spewy and a station right. they have to be like a guy who's gonna bet tens and call and then like call future exactly. streets too on this board the super dry board yeah. i'd be like how do i get action like i need the guy to have king queen suited and decide to hold on and give me action not just now but later on i guess and so for this to be worth raising how would i why would i raise so i think from like a a gameplay practical outcome perspective, raising just feels really bad. Mm. Uh, the reason we're talking about this is because Nick ends up raising. Exactly. Um, but maybe from a balance perspective, you can argue that ace queen could be a raise, especially with the backdoor flush draw. If you want to have more bluffs here, 
mm-hmm. because it's hard to have arrays here. You have to have a set, basically. You, right. You don't have any two-pair combos. I don't think you do. So if you want to add a few more bluffs, you have to add a little bit more value, and ace-queen is going to be very near the top there, except for your slow-played aces and kings. It's hard to have that many bluffs on this board, though, either. There's just not a whole... Like, I guess you can have like 6-7 suited as a bluff. There's I guess. just not much here. Um, King-jack suited is an yeah, interesting bluff. King-jack of hearts or something like that. Because you, you block the most likely queens... And you mm-hmm. have the back doors. No, that's true. That's not bad. Um, but the, I guess the, the solver thinks you should raise eighteen uh, percent of the time, and it's it's clearly because it's like we just don't have many other. You know, we have so little value to raise with. I got to find something, and so some of the time we have to go with ace queen. Yeah, I guess. You know? I guess. Um, still, I don't think I would ever in practice raise this hand. I think, it, like you said, there's a few opponents where this is a really clear raise with the intention of never folding. And, you know, they're the kind of guys who are just going to like, I re-raise you with jacks. I see guys do that. Yeah. Not too many. Those guys you can target if you really want to. Um, but like, it just feels like this plays so much easier and better and clearer as a check call, right? It Where, really like, does. And I want to forget about the solver for a second. Because, yeah, Because like, it just seems, seems bad because especially Nick's sizing, he makes it 4K over 1700. This feels just like an equity denial slash find out where you are raise. What mm-hmm. are we denying equity against? Ace-King? Like, so just a king? That's all I got. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. There are players where this raise is going to make sense. And I'm thinking about, these are tournament plays, so maybe it's a little different, but I'm thinking about both Alex Foxen and Daniel Coleman have been known to bet middle pair and bottom pair and then call raises. I can think of examples where both of them have done it. Sure, but it's also a three-bet pot where the middle and bottom pair are a five and a three. That is true. But sometimes, like, I've seen Alex Foxen being the guy with three-betting and then, like, having middle pair because he has a terrible hand, and then betting and getting raised and calling. I've seen him do it, you know? Yeah. So, like, against a guy like that, maybe you can have more raises because there's value, but, like, who's up against a guy like that? No Nobody. one's up against a guy like that. You can't be against a guy like that. How are we, like, look at the exact hands right now. So, like, this is kind of a dream scenario in some ways. We got this guy crushed equity wise. Yeah. Um, he does have a piece. If we raise, what do we think is gonna happen? Like, is he gonna call? He might just freaking fold right now. Yeah. Like, it's not a great spot for him. We have, we have queens in our range. It isn't like he's got, he has no like obvious advantage, except that he has aces and kings and we don't. That's the only advantage he has, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very strange. Like, maybe he has I, more pocket queens than we I guess do. from a categorical perspective, I understand a raise if we think he's both spewy and stationy and like he's going to call all of his pocket pairs below a queen. Yeah. But if he's that type of guy, we could probably raise bigger than 4K. Yeah. Like, why not make it 4,500 or 5K if he's that type of guy? I agree. I, I just, it's, it feels like this is such a dream check call spot. Like, this is great. Sometimes I'm going to lose a big pot here, but yeah. like, this is about as good as it gets. This is like one of the better flops. Be cool to turn a diamond or a queen or an ace, but like, hey, whatever. Yeah. Like, Some, somehow the solver believes there's a negligible EV difference between calling and raising for Nick, though. Yeah. But when you're, when you're raising 18% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just got to be like, there's just so few options for Nick to like, yeah, have for the sake otherwise. of balance, yeah. you have to find more raises yeah. and that, that part makes sense to me, but only against the elitist of the elite should you ever be thinking right. about I this. Was like in a practical sense, any, any tournament, any cash game that I'm typically in, I'm not going to have to think about it that way. I would guess even in live, at, if I'm playing in this live at the bike game and Dan Zach is the guy, I think it wouldn't, I think I, it would probably is more profitable to just call rather yeah. than try and be solver perfect against even a guy as good as Dan Zach. Right. Like, it probably just plays better and easier. Like, if I call, he's going to be like, oh, okay, so you have, like, a pocket pair over a fi- over fives when yeah. I call, right? That's all that means. Yeah. And, like, if I call the turn, 
he might be like, okay, I guess you have now like big pocket pairs, like tens plus sometimes. Maybe I fold those up, but sometimes you have them. And some queens, but you can have queen jack. You have, and king yeah. queen feels like sometimes you have ace queen too. And like, cool, I'm at the top of my range and I'm just not going to fold on any river. And what's the big deal? You know, it's like, seems pretty easy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of this race. For yeah. Me. If people were perfectly balanced, I guess we have to worry about it, but people aren't. No, they aren't. Okay. So yeah, I don't like the raise either. Nick raises. You think this would be the end of the hand. You would think that, but it is such a small race. Yeah, it is. It's a small race. It's a very small. It's two and a half X. It's less than that, actually. Okay, 2.4 X. I mean, it's going to be 2,300 to win like 8,800. Okay. 8,600. Would you call if you were in In's shoes? Against Nick, I might. I do know a little bit about Nick, and he does get a little out there sometimes. I mean, do you really think he's got that after he's been his under the gun range has been three bet and he's check raising. Do you really think he's got a lot of bluffs? I just don't think he does. I guess maybe he doesn't, but especially we bet big on the flop. We block middle set. That is the only good thing about our situation. We got back to our hearts. Yeah. Those are the only good things about the situation. I feel like it, it's kind you kind of got to call and see what happens on the turn. I mean, I just feel like we're putting in, we're putting in now a total of four K and like, Stack the pot is starting to become a thing. Like with a terrible hand against a very strong range, which by the way, sometimes has us drawing almost dead. It's hard for it to have us drawing almost dead. If he has queen, queen, we're drawing almost dead. Yeah, but that's just a rarity. You know, that's three combos that are actually available and he's going to four bet sometimes. Okay, cool. But he just check raised, right? So like after opening under the gun, like what value does he have? Like we don't even think ace queen should be in there. What other value does he have? I... I understand saying, what like you're saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the bluffs. I mean, do you remember the last Nick Fortucci hand we did I against don't. Phil Helmuth where he got him to fold aces and it was like a line that made no sense yes. for Nick to take and he was just randomly bluffing with ace king because he felt like it? He did, but he, I mean, the way he did it though, he check called the flop, it went check, check on the turn and then he bet big on the river when Phil... What I'm saying there. is this guy is not supposed to always show up with it. Okay, but uh, I, I want to argue that that was a slightly different spot. Now, maybe Nick is going to be wild in a bunch of places. I don't think of him as being that wild, though. Like, Phil checked back the turn when a third flush card came in that hand. Phil Helmuth. Yeah. And then Nick is like, oh, you're afraid of that, so I'm going to, like, try and win the pot because I'm pretty sure I'm behind. It feels different than on this super dry board going after the guy who three bet. The I don't know. Range. I don't like bet folding this hand. I'd rather just check. Um, that's fair. And this is why Dan Coleman and, you know, Alex Fox and all of them call in this spot, yeah. right? Now, being in position helps too. So you can call this and then make a decision on the turn. Yeah. Right. And I also think the sizing helps with the call. It's, it's I actually cheap. think, I, I assume I would find a call here too a lot, ultimately. I think I talk myself into it partially because I'm in position, partially because it's kind of small, partially because I block middle set. Um, we do have some weird equity things that can happen for us on the turn. And, you know, we can pick up a heart, which suddenly, like, makes things better. And once in a while, our opponent's going to give up on the turn. Yeah. And which, we're ahead a lot of the time. Yeah. A decent amount of time, at least, against a guy who has who has moves. But, man, know? I don't... I This is such a dry board. I really don't like this spot. And I think it's very reasonable just to fold, also, having said all of that. I think against some players, you can reasonably fold. I, I think against players that have more than average moves, which I think Nick does. Mm-hmm. I think you got it called. Yeah, that's fair. I'll say this. The solver is all like, you cannot fold this hand, bro. Yep. Solver's never, like, never fold. Call. Yeah. You fold one in a thousand times. <laughs> Wants Solver's to call like, 97% of the time. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that means the solver really wants to call. That's, yep. a, that's a big number. 97%. Solver, no question. No question. It, it wants to raise 3% of the time. I don't know why. It, but it's because it's blocking middle set. Yeah, I guess that is the best reason. Anyway, that's what it does. He ultimately he calls, calls yeah. which I agree with. I, I, I guess I, I can sort of come around, but man, it's a rough board. It's a rough board in that it's so dry. I just want it to be a little wetter. 
Pod is now $10,775. Of course it is. Of course it is. The so turn. Big. The turn is the nitrogen sports poker train. Woo! Woo! We're back, baby! Nitrogen time on the caboose! That's Jonathan partying hard on the train. Yeah. If you've seen the movie Snowpiercer, it's a lot like that. It is. It's like the one. It's like that one where everyone's on drugs and in hot tubs. Yeah. That's my. That's my caboose. <laughs> <laughs> I got the greatest caboose in the world. That's what and they if say. you want to be part of that, you got to check out the link in the description of this podcast to sign up for Nitrogen Sports Poker. Because first of all, that link lets Nitrogen know that you came from us, which we would appreciate if yeah. you would let them know through that. But there's a benefit to you as well. And we know you're selfish bastards. So you're going to go ahead and click that link because you're going to get access to our exclusive tournament tournament happens once a month. Jonathan. Yes. Um, it's wonderful because they put in a thousand buy-ins nitrogen does, and they don't care how many of you play. Guess what? Like we got like 110 players every time. So that means there's like 900 buy-ins just sitting there. It's, it's a very inexpensive tournament to play. It's like a dollar to play. It's unreal, baby. Is that a Kermit voice? <laughs> no, that was something. I was just uh, just an any any character voice who's excited about the situation. Okay, I thought maybe you unreal, were, baby. Maybe you were having sort of sort of brain it's not Kermit brain event happening. Why to you. are there so many? Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. Songs about rainbows. Stop it. Okay, I don't want to get that sued. song is good. <laughs> so you go to sleep too? Muppet movie, man. Anyway, you were saying. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's uh, you know, a thousand buy-ins. We got like 110 players. Massive overlay. Costs a dollar to play. It's every month, but only if you use the link in the description to sign up for Nitrogen do you even get to see this tournament. Of course, they have sports betting. They've got casino games. They pay out in 90 minutes every single time, unlike all those other places that take days or even weeks. This is a no-brainer, people. Get in there. Get you some poker. Get a Nitrogen. Word up. Finish strong. That's good. Yeah. All right. So $10,775 in the pot. Nick Vertucci, under the gun, having called the three bet, has ace queen of diamonds on the queen three five one diamond rainbow board. And his opponent in has 10 five of hearts. There is also one heart on the board. Yeah. The turn is the king of diamonds. Yes. Not exactly a card that either player was would be excited to see. Nick does pick up a flush draw, which is nice, but the king is not the best. Correct. Correct. It means that in now, if he three bet king queen, could be ahead. If he three bet ace king and decided to call because the sizing was so small on the flop, then that's also bad for Nick, obviously. So it seems pretty clear that Nick is supposed to just check here, right? I think so. Um, he is the aggressor, but like, he's the where, aggr- where's the value? Now he's yeah. Now he's bluffing for sure if he bets, right? I mean. Ultimately, I mean, or he's, or he's, or I shouldn't say bluffing, but he's in game theory disaster mode. How about right. That? Like if you get any, this is the problem most, with the original race. Most sizings that he's going to choose are going to put him in a weird spot if he gets effectively shoved on. Exactly. Because he's got the pair and the flush draw, but he won't be getting quite the right price. You know? Yeah. The solver's super aware of that too when it's like trying to figure out what to do. It like has really different numbers for the ace queen of diamonds versus the other suited ace queens mm-hmm. as a result. Um, yeah. This feels like a super straightforward check call. Um, for all the same reasons, really, that it, the ace queen on the flop should have been a check call. Well, you're expecting right? when you say check call, you're assuming a bet, which oh, fair enough. You fair shouldn't enough. necessarily. But assume. I'm saying as a plan, though. Yeah. The plan is to check call. Right. right? That's that's all I'm talking about. Um, if it goes check check, fine. But we should be checking with the intention of not folding. Right. Yeah. On I this agree. board. So and, and and not raising. Why would we raise? Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it's it, it play in your mind as Nick. You're like, okay, I'm ch- I'm going to check call this, and we'll see what he does. 
And if it goes check, check, I can bet for value on the river sometimes. Do you think the strength of his hand is two face up if he checks, having taken his check raise line on the flop? Um, it is. It does seem pretty face up. Like, would you would you check a set of threes here? That's a good question. Would I check a set of threes? I don't think I would. I would mostly bet a set of threes. Uh, I would check it a little bit. And I think it goes back to what, you're, who, what you know about your opponent. In this case, we don't know really anything about our opponent. I'd probably just keep betting. Like, this guy can have aces. This guy, you know, maybe he called with ace-king because my, my raise was a little too small. Maybe he's got king-queen. I don't know. I'm just going to keep betting because I have a big hand. And it's yeah, fine. I think the problem for me for, with checking, which I think has more merits than betting, yeah. but the, the problem is that it looks like what it is, right? It looks like you took a queen and turned it into a check raise on the flop or had a bluff and are giving up. Well, those are two really different things, though, right? Like they the are, queen, but it, queen... doesn't, it doesn't include any strong hands, which is a problem. Oh, okay. Well, we, we clearly shouldn't, like, if we have a set of threes, we shouldn't always bet it, right? Yeah. Like, we should definitely check it some of the time, or in a set of fives is the same thing. Probably a set of queens also. Like, we should probably be checking those some of the time. Yeah. But I think we should be betting those mostly also because the king is clearly a better card for our opponent than it is for us, right? Like he's got he's got top set now and we kind of don't have it nearly as much, right? Top set. I don't know if it's clearly a better card cuz he has more ace kings than we do. He has kings more than we do. That matters. Yeah, I guess he does. He may have king queen more than we do too cuz I don't know, even though I know we just check raise ace queen, I don't know how often we're really check raising king queen, but he is definitely calling king queen if we if he bets, I think, right? Yeah. He gets raised. And some of you might be wondering about ace king when we're talking about it in in's hand because he did get check raised. Yeah. Um I think this, the sizing is so small that if you have a backdoor flush draw with it, you can probably call That's him. That's where you and, can do it. And that's what the solver thinks, too. The solver is never folding ace-king with a backdoor flush draw on the flop. Yeah. Especially in position. That, that makes sense. Yeah. That backdoor flush draw is really... I mean, boy, you could just come up with so many reasons to call. You also have a backdoor straight draw, of course, because the queen is out there. Yeah, it makes sense. And you're going you're gonna to turn cards that give you equity a fair amount of the time. And look, that would have happened if we had ace-king. Yeah. We totally would have done it. We would have been like geniuses. But we have 10-5. Anyway, I feel like it... <laughs> There are issues with it, but it, the king coming is just a negative event for Nick's hand, and you just have right. to deal with that in the best way you can. And I think checking is probably the way to do that. Yeah. And, and, and while we have not too many strong, strong hands, although for checking our sets a fair amount of the time, then it's not too bad, at least a third of the time. Yeah. Um, that's good. Um, and because we can have a bluff or his hand as good as ace queen, that feels like, you know, not face up anyway. It just means we don't have that much nutted hands. Yeah. But, we, but we have a hand. Ace queen can call this turn, especially ace queen of diamonds. So that's good. Ace queen of diamonds cannot fold this turn unless maybe there's a shove, which would be a crazy bet. But Yeah, but we're, we're, that's not going to happen too often. Right. That's the good news. All right. So Nick does check. I like it. Jonathan likes it. Solver likes it. Yeah. Solver wants to check 85% of the time and thinks it's worth $100 more in expected value than betting. Interestingly enough, if you have the ace queen of spades, which is no back, which didn't have any back doors on the flop, even it wants you to bet 64% of the time and check 30, 36% of the time. So it's like, just keep going, man. Like you don't have any, like if he raises, I, I think it's probably a bet fold a lot for, uh, I would guess for the solver. I don't know. We've yeah. gone down that tree, but anyway, it doesn't All matter. Right. We're here with this. So as in, what do we do now? Right. The king has come. Which, That's a good card for us. Yeah, I mean, like, sort you'd expect of. that if Nick had king-queen, he would probably keep betting. A lot of the time. Um, even if he has king-queen, I mean, we could say, like, that also eliminates some combos of king-queen. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Um, we have probably have more combos of ace-king than he does. We certainly have more combos of kings than he does. We still have aces much more than he does. 
we have queen queen more than he does. We have queen. We have we have lots, of, and we block the set of fives. I think we absolutely should bet. Remember the plan before was to try and fold out tens and jacks and nines and eights and sevens. This card's going to help us do that. Well, that was the plan before we saw the check raise. Oh, that's we true. don't expect him to have no those no no hands no. Anymore. That, you know what? I forgot about that part. I got caught up. You're right. It doesn't matter because yeah. of that. Okay, fair. If he had check called, of course we would continue. Okay, now that he's checking, I mean, he does have some ace queens that he might fold anyway by the river. I like yep. a bet here. And if he has a bluff that he was like, oh, that wasn't well thought out and I'm giving up right now, mostly it has two overs to our right. to our pair. We might as well deny equity to that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I think overall I like a bet. But both these guys are just in crappy spots here. Yes, this is, I mean, I hate this spot. This I mean, is, I would this is never why be you're supposed spot. to shave the 10 fives off, off of your three betting range. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because not only because of like the equity they have against the hands that continue against them pre-flop, but also because, guess, the, guess what? You put yourself in way more crappy spots if you play more crappy hands. That's just yeah. the way the world works. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, I think at this point I do want to keep betting as in. It's mostly as a bluff. Yes. And... We might not expect it to work that often on the turn because a queen may not be willing to give up yet. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and if he has a set, of course, it's not going to work. No, of course. But not. blocking the set is nice. Blocking a set of fives is really nice here. He might fold the queen anyway. I mean, I don't know. It's possible, but that isn't really what we'd be targeting. We're targeting. Um, I think we're I don't targeting. Really know we're targeting. Queen. Yeah, we're targeting a queen, and we're targeting the bluffs that have equity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're right. We you're have right. to be targeting. No, a queen. you're right. Well, a king is good to sometimes fold out a queen. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we're repping, as played, mostly sets of queens, fives, and threes, kings. a little bit of set of kings, and I guess we'll have some aces. Why are, we, why are we repping only a little bit of set of kings? Why not as many as all the other ones? We are repping set of kings. I think we're actually repping it even more, because the queens, fives, and threes sets, we might have even three bet the flop with, but we're never going to do that with kings. Yeah, that's true. We're also, I think, repping pocket aces Yeah, when we bet. I think so. And uh, those... Those combos of Ace King with a backdoor flush draw that, that we got here with, I would, think we would, can bet those. Would you actually bet aces in this spot if it was checked to you after you got check raised on this flop and the king comes? I don't think I would. I think I'd mostly check. I think I would probably check the majority of the time, but I think you have to bet aces sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. The solver, by the way, just just checking that, is 51% of the time check, 48% of the... fifty. Yeah, 48% of the time uh, bet small, but I guess forty nine percent of the time total bet. Yeah, so so it's like I don't know. It's close. It's yeah. really close. So, but it thinks you should be but betting you, about you half can, the time. You can legally represent aces by betting. Is what I'm trying to get at. You know what I'm saying? Legally represent. Yes, yes. I think you can still represent aces by betting for sure. For anyway, sure. the solver agrees that that it wants into bet. Wants into bet. A lot of the time. 96.5% of the time it wants it to bet. Yeah. 97%. And it, and it believes that betting is $153 better in equity in expected value than checking. Yep. So that must be a lot about equity denial and about potentially folding out a queen. Mm-hmm. And maybe some pocket jacks, pocket tens hands that really played the flop super weird. Yeah, I mean, on the queen high board, maybe pocket tens are like, I'm going to deny equity to a lot of things and maybe fold, like maybe, maybe you have nines, you're like, I can fold out tens and jacks sometimes. And I, I mean, these are, these are not things I would ever do. No, no. Let me be clear. But, but, you know, Nick raised ace queen on the flop, so he's doing things that I would never do. So right. I don't know. I could, I could talk myself into that, that maybe I can fold out some, some pocket pairs that are better than mine. Maybe they can show up. Anyway. A bit. But even targeting a, a medium queen here, like, 
Queen Jack, Queen, King Queen is, and even Ace Queen is reasonable. And in does bet, and I like his sizing. He he bets uh, sixty six hundred to ten thousand seven hundred. Yep. And that's good. I think that's gonna sometimes fold out a queen. Like we're giving ourselves a chance to end the hand right now against a queen instead yeah. of having to fire the river. Also, yeah. Now, as we know, it's not going to work against this queen because it's I a mean, queen with an up flush draw. Yeah. Nick cannot fold. Raising seems absurd. Raising feels like a an ultimate game three disaster that you have a little bit of equity in because sometimes you hit a flush on the river if you mm-hmm. get called. But it does feel pretty game three disaster to raise his neck, right? It seems like if we raise, we're trying to fold out ace king, I guess, right? That would be the hand we're trying to fold out specifically because I can't think of what else it could possibly... King jack suited or ace king is what we're trying to fold out, which is like, why would we... Yeah, because I mean, we, maybe it'll doing... work because it's it's super strong. We just check raise flop and then turn. I mean, maybe he can find a fold with top pair, but our hand has too much value to like get all crazy like this. Yeah, right? and it doesn't feel like you could actually get called by a worse hand either. Here's my question: Let's say we decide to call, which is a very reasonable thing, and the thing I would want to do. Yeah. If we hit a diamond, what are we going to do? I think we, like can we lead, need to have a plan. I think we can lead diamonds because just, it came back door, so it's less obvious that that's what we have. Yep. So we just sort of lead and hope he calls. And I think what I would do if a diamond came, if I check call here, is lead small, try to make it look like a blocker bet. Uh, and hope, and hope he uh, raises. Yeah. Yeah. That's good against certain players. That's yeah. going to work really well against certain players. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, Nick does call. That seems like the right play to us. The solver loves it. Yep. 98.5% of the time. Super straightforward. All right. So Nick calls. The river is the six of hearts. Doesn't usually change much. There's $23,975 in the pot. The effective stack is in with $17,100 in front of him. Doesn't feel like Nick can bet here. That seems obvious, right? Yes. Like, why would you ever bet? It seems crazy to bet. Like, we're losing... I mean, now we're a true game theory disaster mode, especially if you look at stack to pot, right? Like, there's like 24K in the pot, and we've got like 17K back. Like, if the guy's got ace-king, he's not going to fold... What's the point of betting? Right. If we he has jacks, he probably will fold. Like, it's a clear... It's a we clear don't need check. to talk about that anymore. Right. The more interesting decision is, should in go for it here? Right. Which is now just purely a bluff. He's not betting for value, and there's no more equity to deny because it's the river. Correct. Right? So, like, all right. If we, if we bet, we're targeting just a queen, right? We're just like, I hope he has a queen. Yeah. That he played this way. That he found a call on the turn. I, I hope he folds. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would sort of, I think I would talk myself into, do I really think he played a queen like that on the fly? Yeah, I know. It's so and then weird. He call, and then he check calls the turn. How am I going to get this guy to fold? I would probably talk myself out of it. I'm not sure it's right to talk myself out of it, but I would probably do it because I would just, I would never think he has a queen on the flop. So the whole thing would be confusing to me. And then when he calls, when he check calls the turn, I'm like, did he have some weird like king hand, king X hand with like two back doors that he just turned to king? Maybe when he check calls. Maybe once in a billion years, he has like jack 10 of diamonds that he was just pure bluffing on the flop with. And he's like, well, I don't want to have to bet fold the turn. So I'm going to check call, which seems crazy. Seems I don't crazy. know. Like he should be check shoving if he's going to do that with jack yeah. 10 of diamonds. Like he doesn't have enough equity. Yeah, I'm just trying to find the value of checking. And it feels yeah. like it's just the value is you're giving up and you're not losing more money. Because mm-hmm. mostly you're losing. Oh yeah, no, I think we're I think we're behind almost always. Yeah, um, fair enough. And so it's only a question of can we get this guy to fold? And what what are we what are we putting him on? It feels like a queen. I mean, the check raise is weird. 
I think it's I think it's a queen or it could be a king. It could have been a bluff on the flop and a king, or it's a weird check raise on the on the flop and it's a queen, right? Those yeah. are the two options. Um, so it's one pair. That's good. I don't think we're getting him to fold the king very often. No, I don't think so. We might get him to fold the queen. We can probably get him to fold the queen some of the time. Yeah. Right? So that's... He probably has more queens than kings, probably. Right? Because, like, the, the queen at least was top pair. The king is just a rando type... I have two back doors type play, it seems. Yeah. I don't know. It's... This is one of those really tough spots where... I don't know. I feel like I would give up. I feel like I would probably give I up. I would give up. After, uh, I would bet the turn be sad that he called and be like, okay, well, now he wasn't bluffing. I'm not denying equity. He's holding on. I don't have, like, the stack to pot is problematic. He's probably calling, right? Like, he's just probably calling. Well, in's not a quitter. Nope. He does go for it. The solver does prefer a check, though. It wants him to check 76% of the time. It, the solver thinks that the checking is worth $6 in EV, which is very small considering the size, considering of, the the size of the pot is 20 4,000. That means it doesn't expect him to win very much if yeah, he checks. It's like you always lose, but... But it also thinks betting is worth negative $186 right. in it's expected like you value. You just get called too much when you when you put the money in right. for it to be worth it. Right. Based on the lines everybody has taken. Mm-hmm. But he goes for it. The solver's like, he's got a king or a queen, and he's probably going to hold on too yeah. much based on stack to pot. Yeah. So he goes for it, and uh, this is a tough spot for Nick. Yes, this is a tough spot. We beat no value, of course. All right, let's ask the normal questions. Good. What would in have that makes sense all the way through that he has for value that has us beat? Oh, aces. Aces. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Kings and queens, for sure. King, even though king, queen, queen. Only one combo of queens. Maybe ace, king. Maybe ace, king. Sets of five, sets of threes. Yep. King, queen, king, potentially. Queen. King, queen. It's hard to come up. I don't know that he's going to play King Jack suited like this and shove the river. I wouldn't expect it. I think that may be a little too loose, right? Yeah. Like Ace King feels like the bottom of the value range to me. Right. Um, so next. Because Nick can really have Ace King. So it's right. a pretty clear value range. It's not a huge value range, but it makes sense. And it all beats us. We can't beat any of that. Right. Okay. How about bluffs? Because he did call a check raise on the flop. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to come up with bluffs that make sense here. Six seven suited. That was a gutter. Six four suited. Yep. And he rivers the six, and he thinks it's not good enough. Yeah, that's something. And this is assuming we think he's capable of three betting those pre flop. Yep. There are. There's only six combos of those combined. Yeah. So there's not a lot of that. There's more of the other stuff so far. What else is there? Well, with a lot of players, you just got to give them a lot of random hands. Like, yeah. As we know, we have to give in a lot of random hands here. Well, we know that now. Nick clearly does not know that. Yeah. Because Nick goes into the tank and is. Really thinks he's losing. He does. He ta- he talks for a while. He takes a long time to make a decision and keeps talking about how comfortable it is and how he's de- he's a donkey and of course he's losing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would think I was losing. I can't come up with enough bluffs that I think I can ever reasonably call. Yeah, him. I think this is a fold. Yeah, I think although in spewed his way into this one, I think this should work and it should be a fold. Yeah, I think so too. Like. A lot of the time, our opponent's going to give up when they don't have it. We're going to improve some time on the river also when they are bluffing. Like, you put that stuff together, that's probably more than enough to cover the times when, you know... All right, but what about distribution? Yeah, okay. Does that, does that mean fold also? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, distribution, what better hands do we play this way? Which is, of course, the it's real so question It's so hard to know because of the line that we took. Like, do we have sets that we play this way ever? I don't think we're going to be checked calling sets too often on the river. 
I'm the, sorry, on the turn. On yeah, the turn. I, mean, I just don't like maybe a little bit, but like we might check them, but we're often going to check raise, especially with stack to power. Yeah, we're just going to like get it in. It feels like the combos of sets are almost negligible. So, okay. So I don't, I think we can almost ignore them. I agree. Okay, we have a few kings we might play this way. Again, the king jack of hearts, yeah. king jack of diamonds, king jack of clubs, something like that. Maybe king 10 of those things. Maybe maybe, maybe some ace kings also in the same vein. Maybe. Okay, so we have some kings. And then this is the next hand after what, however many kings there yeah. are. And there can't be that many kings, There can't right? be. So this is pretty high. Although, how many hands do we check raise with and then check call the turn with? This is also at the bottom. This is like, what, what hands for value are worse than this hand? I don't know if there are any. Yeah, I mean, maybe we get real sticky with Jack sometimes or Queen Jack suited. Okay, maybe. But that's all I got. Because I don't, I got I don't think we have Queen 10 from preflop. I would guess this is... This is too below, low. Below the midpoint of our distribution, all as right. it turns out. All right, so everything says fold. Yeah. Yeah, I think everything says well, fold. Well, Nick calls. Nick takes a really long time, talks about what a donkey is, talks about how he's going to need to... Um, Take a take, you know, courses by Garrett, yeah, and stuff like that. Take Garrett's class, and then ultimately finds a call. To much to the chagrin of in, of course. Yes. So let's. What does the solver think? The solver actually is pretty divided as far as balance is concerned. It wants him to call fifty-two percent of the time and fold forty-eight percent of the time. Although it believes the calling is worth minus one hundred and fourteen dollars in expected value, which is not very much at this pot size. Right. Whereas, of course, folding is zero EV. It always is. Right. So, so yeah. slightly negative to call versus fold. Right. The thing that's weird and I haven't, we haven't been able to figure out is, so ace, queen of diamonds. Now, there's two diamonds on the board. It wants it to call 52% of the time. Ace, queen of spades, there are no spades on the board. It only wants them to call 16% of the time. I would think it would be the opposite. Yeah. Because that way you get to block flush draws, which are going to barrel the turn. Yeah. Sometimes, right? Like, what if he has the ace, four of diamonds? He's going to call the flop. He's going to absolutely barrel the turn. That's a great barreling card. Mm-hmm. And then he's going to go for it sometimes on the river. But ace four of spades, he might do that with. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it just, it's really odd to me. Yeah. That we want to have the ace queen of diamonds here instead of not. I think we, I'm, I would think we wouldn't want to have that. But the solver wants us to yeah, have Yeah, I that. agree. We want him to have a missed flush draw. Right. But the, yeah. it, it's like, no, no, no. Having the missed flush draw makes it easier to call. Yeah. That one is a mystery to me as well. Yeah. It actually wants ace queen of clubs to call even a little bit more 56% of the time. But anyway, it's very odd. Stupid math. I don't know. Yeah, computers. Whatever. Anyway, he makes the call and happens to be right this time. Good job, Nick Fertucci. He happens to be right, but I think this... I don't like how this hand was played by Nick Fertucci. I don't like how this hand was played by either player. Okay. As soon as you get past the the three-bet pre-flop by in... His decisions okay. make more sense. Yeah. The river's like, I don't, I don't think I'd go for it, but I cannot kill him for that. Yeah. I like his post-flop play much better than Nick's. I agree with that. Even though the solver not, not, doesn't have nearly as much a problem with his post-flop play as we do, but the solver's playing against perfect opponents, and Nick is clearly not playing against right. perfect opponents. So I think, yeah. Nick, I think this is a much easier for hand, hand for Nick if he goes check call on the flop, check call on the turn, figure it out on the river. Yeah, absolutely. And he can, he can beat some, he can beat more things that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well... He gets to win a really big pot anyway. He's super happy and then does like a victory dance afterward, which is It's kind of douchey. Yeah. Kind of douchey. Music is my sunlight and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave him so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make it home.